Today's scripture is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Now in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Oh, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive, give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, Mary, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. The word of the Lord. Christmas time raises expectations, doesn't it? Marketers try to convince us that finding that perfect gift, whether it's a new diamond ring, a new truck. Yeah, somebody ought to call my husband. Yeah, new, she talked about new diamond rings today. Just kidding. <laughs> or maybe it's a video game, but marketers try to convince us that if we find that perfect gift, it's gonna either make us, or more importantly, somebody that we love, happy. Happy with the gift, happy with us, happy with life. Hallmark movies it raise our expectations that we can have happy endings every two hours. <laughs> I think even our, we, our spiritual expectations rise this time of year. And that's okay, but sometimes even those can get out of whack. For me, uh, one of my spiritual struggles is that I expect God to act a certain way, especially at Christmas. And one of those expectations is that God will just swoop in and heal and make whole the lives of those that I love and just do it all at once. 
I treat him kind of like a one-stop shopping at Fred Meyer, right? Just, God, come on, just get it all done at one time. And every year it seems that our hopes just start to increase and increase as Advent comes and we think maybe this year will be that kind of a Christmas. And I think expectations begin the first Christmas carol that we hear while we're shopping in Target just begins to rise. Then the big day arrives and we find that people aren't always as happy as we think they're gonna be. Maybe there are grumblers around the table. Maybe uh, our gifts didn't accomplish what we had hoped again they might accomplish for somebody in our lives. Maybe somebody at the table's had too much to drink. Maybe a credit card is maxed out and disappointment pulls up a chair at the table and threatens to just sit for a long time. Are we just doomed to ride that roller coaster every year? What if I told you, what if we could let go of our expectations for God's greater expectations and never ride that roller coaster again? Wait, what? Greater expectations and lower disappointment? Come on. Well, our Advent series is entitled Greater Expectations. And the encapsulating verse for this series is found in Ephesians 3, verse 20, where Paul writes, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. A few weeks ago, John Rosensteel mentioned uh, America's Got Talent. He, like many of us, loves the story behind those ordinary people that just surprise all of us, and uh, he mentioned Susan Boyles, who rather, if you've seen the video, rather than looking like an America's Got Talent contestant, looks a little bit like maybe an ordinary middle-aged cleaning woman who stumbled onto the stage accidentally. <laughs> and then, you know, nobody's expectations in the room were very high until she opened her mouth and she began to sing. And then the judges were shocked and the audience was enthralled and her story and her hauntingly beautiful voice went viral around the globe. I think when moments like that happen, you know who I think about? I think of the talent scouts. I think how fun it would be to find that ordinary person and put them in front of an audience and then just how satisfying to see the jaws drop and the euphoria in the room grow and they know they've nailed it. Surprise. I think God's a, like that. God's a talent scout. Because all through scripture, we see it again and again that God finds the obscure, unknown person, the person that nobody else is gonna look at twice, as anything special. Think about it with me for a moment. Think about a shepherd boy named David. The prophet Samuel came and said to his father, Jesse, God has sent me to your family to find the next king of Israel. And so Jesse is, I'm sure, pretty, you know, excited about this. And he parades seven fine sons in front of Samuel. In fact, Samuel's going, wow, all right, we're, this, is, this is already nailed. This guy looks perfect. And God says, no, 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 all the way down. Seven sons, and 
He turns to Jesse and says, well, are these all of your sons? And he goes, well, there's the youngest out tending sheep. Bingo. It's the youngest, the smallest, the unproven that God chooses to become the next beloved king of Israel. Hagar, a young surly servant girl to Sarah, very low on the ladder of importance, is the one who gives the God of the universe a name that we still cling to thousands of years later, Elroy, the God who sees. A woman of questionable character takes a bottle of really expensive perfume and pours it over the feet of Jesus at the dismay and horror of some of his disciples and Jesus says, leave her alone. Wherever the gospel story is told in the years to come, her story will be included. It's the obscure, it's the, the one that nobody knows, it's the ordinary person that God often taps on the shoulder. And all of those stories went viral kind of the old fashioned way. They were written down and they were told generation after generation, even up to this service in 2023. I don't think America's Got Talent's probably gonna have that kind of success, right? There are so many obscure characters in the Christmas story. You'll hear about some of them in the coming weeks and the one that we're gonna look at today, a character whose level of going viral is probably second only to Jesus in history is the teenage mother of Jesus, Mary. A colleague wrote that every character in the Christmas story arrives with their own set of expectations only to discover something totally different than they imagined. And I had to wonder, I wonder if when Paul wrote Ephesians 3.20, if he didn't have the Christmas story and its characters in the back of his mind. Mary, Joseph, Zachariah, Elizabeth, the shepherds. If any story is going to teach us to have confidence in letting go of our expectations and stepping into God's expectations, it's this story. Mary had her set of expectations, but listen to what God's expectations are. Let's just, uh, well, I'll wait and read that in just a minute. Let me ask you a question first. What are some of your expectations of Christmas? Or what are some of your Christmas traditions that if it, they don't happen, maybe it's a special dessert at the table or a Christmas activity like zoo lights. If it doesn't happen, it's just not Christmas for you. You can talk back to me. What's a Christmas tradition that for you just has to happen every year? Christmas Eve service. Christmas Eve service. We've got two of them, nine and 11. <laughs> Somebody else? Decorating Christmas cookies. De decorating Christmas cookies. Okay, somebody else? It's just not Christmas if this doesn't happen. Christmas singing Christmas carols, okay. Well, for me, a Christmas without watching A Wonderful Life, diss it if you want, is just not Christmas. I have to watch it every year because, you know, I thought of him immediately when we came up with this series because that George Bailey boy, he had expectations, didn't he? Oh yeah, he wanted to travel the world. He was gonna build bridges and buildings in exotic places. 
His expectation was to get out of that one horse town, away from the family owned business alone, away from that cruel Mr. Potter who took advantage of the, the vulnerable in his city. He had high expectations and the talent to go with it. But if you've seen the movie, you know that George's expectations were crushed. On the night before he's gonna leave, his dad has a, has a stroke and dies. And he's left to run the family business, the savings and loan. He sent his kid brother, he was supposed to go off to college, but instead he stayed and he sent his kid brother off to college and then off to war where he becomes a hero and then off to an enviable job. George's disappointments and resentments began to grow over those lost opportunities. And from his perspective, what he got out of life was so far below the expectations that he had. And then on top of all of that, like most of us, George had a few challenging relatives to deal with. (laughs) Maybe we are the challenging relative, I don't know. But George's Uncle Billy loses thousands of dollars, which today would probably be millions of dollars. That was back in the 1930s. And he knows, George knows they're toast. They're gonna lose it all, everything that they have and probably serve prison time in the midst of it. And at the worst moment of his life, a life he has started to think the world would be better off without, God sends an angel. A second class angel. (laughs) Clarence, I love Clarence. George was not impressed. The man hadn't even earned his wings yet. But God sent him because he said, even though George has the IQ of a rabbit, he's got the faith of a child. And he'll be perfect to help George out at this moment. And in the end of the story, you know that Clarence reveals to George that hidden in his ordinary life are far greater expectations that have been fulfilled than George can even imagine. Clarence helps him see that in, because of his ordinary daily life of helping other ordinary people secure loans and purchase homes and live their dreams, he gets this opportunity to see how their lives have been changed and it changes him. He gets to see that because he just was faithful to the ordinary life, that justice was carried out in his city that the poor of Bedford Falls were sustained and that because of his ordinary life, hopelessness and evil had been held at bay all those years. With God's help through a second class angel, George was able to release his expectations of his life and receive a greater set of expectations that went far beyond his own life to the lives of others. And he found joy and meaning and love and community. In this Advent series, we are gonna look at the key figures of the Christmas story in the biblical account and what their expectations were leading up to the birth of Christ. Because human expectations are nothing new and they're not bad, I don't wanna say they are. They're just a real part of life that's kind of how we order and make sense of life and bring it into perspective. But the hope for all of us 
is that we can step into, at times God asks us to open our hands, not hold those expectations so tightly, but open our hands and our hearts because very likely God has a set of even greater expectations of what can happen through our life than we do. So here's three insights this morning from Mary's life about expectations. Number one, letting go of expectations doesn't mean settling for less. You probably hear those people, I do, who say, oh, I I don't get disappointed in life because I just keep my expectations really low. (laughs) Well, this sermon isn't about that, okay? Because letting go of expectations doesn't mean we settle for less. We can only speculate what Mary's expectations were for her life. It probably went something like this. She expected to marry Joseph. They were engaged. But with Gabriel's announcement for her life, that was in jeopardy. She expected to have children, not be pregnant before marriage. She expected to be part of her beloved Jewish community, and now they looked at her with suspicion. It was a different time and age, don't forget that, especially for women. She expected to please her parents, to worship in the synagogue, to continue waiting with her people for the promised Messiah. I doubt she expected to give birth to that Messiah. She likely imagined her firstborn as a babe growing into a toddler and then a young man who would take over the family business, Joseph's carpentry business. All good and reasonable expectations. But when Gabriel, no second class angel this time, when Gabriel shows up to talk to Mary, Mary, willingly lets go of that set of expectations for God's greater expectations. Look again at just three verses in Luke 1. It's the angel talking to Mary. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Twice in this encounter, Gabriel, who uh, I think it's Matthew tells us, stands in the presence of God every day. This angel reassures Mary, don't be afraid. And he ushers her that she, an ordinary teenage girl, obscure to the rest of the world, has found favor with God. I want you to know no matter how old you are this morning, if you're 14 or 44 or 94, no matter what your position is in today's world or lack thereof, you are seen by God. You are known by God. And God has a set of greater expectations for your life and what can come from your ordinary everyday life than you've probably ever dreamed. Mary was told in this encounter about the son that she would give birth to. You heard about her expectations of what he would be. Now let's listen to God's expectations. She says, uh, she's told he will be named Jesus, meaning the Lord is salvation. He will be very great. Listen to what Isaiah prophesies about this child. For a child is born to us, a son is given, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and his peace will never end. His rule with, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all of eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord's armies will make this happen. Keeps going. He'll be called the son of the most high. He'll be given the throne of his ancestor David. He'll reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. He will be holy. He will be called the son of God. Mary's asked to let go of her ordinary expectations for her firstborn who would grow up, take over the family business, live close and watch over her family. For God's expectations that a son would be born that would not only watch over her family, but every family on the earth. My dad, a generational farmer, had strong expectations that I would stick around our small one horse town and marry a farmer, okay? Obviously I didn't. And it took him after a few years of initial reservations as I went off to college to study, to go into the ministry. It took him a time, but he let go of those expectations. And then he began to find joy traveling to wherever I was serving, whether it was Houston, Texas, or Chicago, or Seattle, and eventually Portland, Oregon. And he accepted in the place of that farmer an African-American city boy, and he did it with grace and with love. He expressed wonder and pride in the places that I served. And eventually he even moved my mom to live close to us for those expected grandkids to enjoy. His willingness, don't think I don't see it. You know I've talked about other times that things were not always great or perfect with my dad, but this one he nailed it, okay? He uh, accepted and let go of his expectations and because of that, God's greater expectations could be experienced by our family, right? By my mom, by him, he enjoyed life more. I got to just live into God's call in my life. When God is involved, letting go of expectations does not mean settling for less. It often means more for everybody involved. We serve a God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, says the Apostle Paul, to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. Here's another insight from Mary's story. We gotta keep it real. Greater expectations don't necessarily mean easier. There was the initial uproar in Mary being pregnant. Matthew reveals to us that Joseph wants to divorce her and set her aside. He thinks she's been unfaithful to him. There were the sideways glances of her siblings, the shock and disappointment of parents, friends shunning her because word gets out. And that, this just wasn't at all what Mary was expecting, but that's where she finds herself. Hers was certainly not a culture that celebrated babies outside of marriage. And can we just say, new life should and can be celebrated anytime and always, but it is difficult for a mother and a child to be alone and unsupported. And it is one of the reasons that New Hope Church, one of our partners locally, is First Image and Ava Healthcare. 
This is an organization compelled by the love of Jesus to empower women facing unexpected pregnancies. And we don't want them to walk alone. So we partner with them to help provide care, compassionate care, good information, medically professional health services in the mix. If you are or you have or your daughter has ever faced an unexpected pregnancy, please just know you're not alone. Nobody should walk alone. And I couldn't, when I was thinking about this, I thought about that campaign. You've probably seen those commercials on TV, the He Gets Us campaign. Talks about how Jesus gets us. He understands real life experiences. I think we could add to that and say, you know what? Mary gets us too. Mary knows what it is to have something unexpected come along in her life and be vulnerable to the surroundings around her. But Mary's challenges didn't end with that initial uproar, and our challenges never do. They never end. The series, The Chosen, if you've watched it, I think it portrays very well what it must have been like for Mary to be the mother of Jesus as he grows and becomes the Messiah. From very early on, Joseph and Mary had to flee their homeland because of violence just to keep Jesus alive. Boy, talk about right out of the headlines of today, right? How many families around the world are experiencing that kind of fleeing their homeland because of the violence? Mary did too, Joseph and Jesus. Eventually, they would return to the region and they would add to their family. And Mary had to watch even Jesus' siblings doubt and ridicule him. She would watch Jesus stumble at times from exhaustion, from serving long lines of people in need. And she would experience anxiety over the growing resentment of men of power and position who despised her son. She would witness a fickle crowd, a screaming crowd, many of them her friends and her faith community call for the death, the crucifixion of her son. And she too would journey the Via Della Rosa to the cross and witness Jesus take his last breath. Greater expectations do not mean easier. When Mary did release her expectations in the very beginning, her heart just overflowed with what she knew God was about to do. She absolutely knew that God had her hand, his hand on her life, an ordinary, obscure teenage girl. And when she went to visit Elizabeth, who was once barren and now pregnant with John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin, this song welled up in Mary's soul and overflowed out of her. We know it very famously today as the Magnificat. But before we get to that, I was just given a Advent reflection book yesterday called Mary's Voice. And I thought this was insightful. The words of the Magnificat form the longest speech of any woman in the New Testament. And it is clear from the format that Mary's words are following long established patterns of prophecy and praise that are known in the Old Testament. And from this, we learn that a woman could speak and her words are recorded for us as meaningful, insightful, and weighty in the scriptures. Here's what Mary 
had to say that day. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. She knows this isn't about her. She knows that this is about the coming Messiah. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful, for he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Releasing her expectations for the greater expectations of God would not prove easier, but they would prove beneficial for so many more people than just her and her family. So often that is what God's greater expectations mean. It's not necessarily greater as in grander and, you know, uh, show-worthy. It often means getting us out from our own expectations of our life and the life of our family and blessing so many more people than we ever could have hoped. Last April, our church, New Hope, entered bravely into a building renovation. You know how intimidating it is uh, just to remodel a home of even 3,000 square feet, right? That's intimidating. Think of taking on 35,000 square feet and remodeling it in six months. Hats off to Mike and to the team. But I want you to know we stepped into this because we believed and still do that this is part of the greater expectation God had of bringing two churches together, New Hope and Mount Scott Church. We all had to open our hearts and our hands, let our lives be disrupted for what we believe to be a better story that will be better and greater to touch many more lives than just our little congregations alone for now and for future generations. And just as we settled into that new, accepted God's greater expectation for our two congregations, God said, hey, would you keep your hearts and hands open? <laughs> I have something even bigger and greater, greater to affect more lives that I wanna to talk to you about. And so we prayed and we studied and we thought and uh, we stepped into an invitation to merge with Willamette Christian and Beaverton Christian and Hope City. Let me tell you, greater expectations does not mean easier. <laughs> it means God is afoot, doing more than we can dream or imagine on our own. And those plans are not just for us, but for the world around us. A final observation from Mary's story. Greater expectations require trust. At the end of Gabriel's visit, Mary opens her hands and her heart, and she has said, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. To release our expectations for something greater 
before we even know what that even means, Mary didn't know fully at all what all this was gonna mean. But she opened her hands and her heart. And I think John Furman, pastor of our campus in Beaverton, the way he says this of Mary nails it. He said, Mary's dreams and expectations were confounded that first Christmas as she chose to believe the best about God. Trust his plan and act in obedient faith. We see that God delivers more than we imagined. Israel had waited for the Messiah for thousands of years. And can you imagine that amount of time, the mixture of what people took from Holy Scripture, from oral tradition, from their own imaginations and created, as we would do and as we do, kind of their own story, their own set of expectations of what this Messiah would do and what he would look like and who he would be. And they believed that the Messiah would free Israel, save her from her enemies, particularly in the first century, free her from the oppression of, of the Romans. They believed that this promised king would set up an earthly kingdom and that, they, and that he would reign, and as promised, they would reign right along with him. That was the crux of their expectation. God's greater expectation did indeed involve a king who will reign forever, but it was a king who would stand in the presence of Pilate and say, my kingdom is not of this earth. And then he would lay down his life and die. It went against every expectation that they had. When Jesus died on that cross, some of you know in the temple there was a very large curtain, very heavy, very thick, and it separated the holy of holies where only certain people and always of Jewish descent, only they could enter into the holy room of God. And when Jesus died on that cross, that curtain ripped from the very top to the bottom, not from the bottom up, it was no human effort involved, that curtain came apart, and all of a sudden, humanity was welcomed into God's presence. And when that curtain tore two groups of people, there were only two races considered at the time, you were either Jewish or you were Gentile, and with the tearing of that curtain, they became one. The Messiah was and is for everyone. Doesn't matter what your address is, if it's Jerusalem or Gaza or Portland, the Messiah is available for us all. Some in Jesus's day were able to let go of their expectations and accept what Jesus said about who he was. Don't ever think that wasn't a giant leap of trust. For them to believe. Wonder what expectations God might be nudging you to let go of this this year. The perfect Christmas, perfect family life, that everything is going to be made right all at one time. <laughs> you know, I have to when I start going down that road. I have to remember that Jesus was born, and then for thirty years. Really not a lot happened uh, in, to show that he was the Messiah. Seeds are planted in our lives and God takes oftentimes years to unfold 
the plan. I have a dear friend who is fighting a very precarious return of of her cancer for the third time. I sat, um, her faith and her, her trust is why I'm gonna share this story. They astound me. And I was sitting down here on a sunny day outside of Biscuits Cafe with her after the second return. Three times it's returned in three years. After the second, I sat with her and our expectations, I've known her since she was 18 and I was in my early 20s. I was an associate pastor where she was attending and I watched her get married, have four kids, raise them to adulthood. I saw her love her job as a teacher, as an elementary school teacher. I saw her welcome grandchildren into her life. And we expected from 18 on that, you know, she, her life would be long and she would be healthy and she'd get to fulfill all her plans. That's what we expected. And that day when we sat outside, she, after explaining to me things I did not know about chemo and how terrible it can be, you can't even kiss your spouse or your grandkids when you're going through chemo. She looked at me and she said, Denise, if if God can use this, even if it's gonna take my life, if God can use this in any way to bring others to a place of faith, I am more than willing to lay down my life. She meant every word. And I know, I know, it's because she believes like Mary did in the incredible goodness of God. She believes and she chooses trust in a good shepherd in her life. She's let go and she's modeling for us how to let go of a certain set of expectations for the greater expectation that God may have in mind because of what she's walking through. She has let go of a set of good expectations to trust that God still has greater expectations for the hurting world that is our world today. Christmas can be a hard time of year. Some of you this year are looking at your first Christmas without someone that you love around the table. We see you. It's why we as a campus decided to, or have all of our campuses are doing a night of remembrance where we help people just make space for the overwhelming grief of losing someone that we love. There are other hard things at this time of year. Uh, Holiday season is one of the Hardest times for people dealing with substance abuse or uh, mental health issues. I personally, and probably many of you have had friends, family, family members, close family members in psychiatric care on Christmas Day. Mm -hmm. We've had siblings and children be no-shows around the table. And we've had people at our tables that we know are wondering like George Bailey did if life is even worth it. Ideal Christmas expectations, ideal life expectations still get the best of me sometimes. What about you? Yeah. 
How about this year when this happens to us, when we begin to build, have the buildup of those perfect ideals in our family life and in our, uh, maybe our work life and our Christmas, what if we look back to this first Christmas and we look at Mary and we see what happened when she let go of her set of expectations and stepped with confidence into God's expectations? Remember, letting go doesn't mean settling for less, okay? And letting go doesn't mean easier. It will definitely require trust. And letting go is the beginning of God doing something greater in our lives and in the lives of those around us far greater than we can think or imagine. Will you believe it? Will you believe it? Let's pray. Lord, we believe, but help our unbelief. We're affected by our world just as people have been through the centuries. And right now, it just seems like so, everything screams at us for attention and distraction and, and to convince us that things or perfection is what's going to satisfy the deep need of our soul. And yet we know that's not true. And reveal that to us more and more this Christmas season. Help us to let go of our expectations only because we can trust that you have a better plan. One that will not only bless our lives, but the lives of those that we love. Come Holy Spirit, come. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.